Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life in English live stream, talking about nothing, number four. Here we go. With it right about there, okay. Welcome to the live, y'all. We're just doing a live stream. I'm not talking about anything in particular, so feel free to ask all your questions, leave your comments. I'm gonna just be talking about some random stuff. This is really more like advanced listening practice and a chance for you to get your questions answered, stuff like that. So we're just gonna chill and hang out for probably an hour. I'm not gonna do two and a half hours like I did last week, but I'll probably be here at least an hour. So leave your comments, man. I'm gonna try to get to all of them. All right, give me a second. I'm trying to read the comments, y'all. Can you please explain the difference between then and then? The difference between then and then. So then is T-H-A-N. Then is T-H. T-H? <laughs> T-H-E-N, right? So then is the word that we use to compare quantities, right? For example, I have more than you. Or you have more than me. Or we have less than them. Or they have less than us. That's T-H-A-N. That's the way that we use that word. So whenever we're comparing the quantities of two things or the possession of two things, stuff like that, we're going to use the word than. More than or less than or equal to, right? Now then, T-H-E-N, I think it depends on the context actually, but... Then is typically a word that we use to um, describe what's going to happen next. For example, I'm going to the store and then I'm going home. Right, So I'm going to the store and after that, or and then, which is basically the same thing, this next thing is going to happen. So that's typically the way we use the word then. But we also use the word then, T-H-E-N, in a way that's like, when you know how when somebody tells you something, Sometimes you respond in a way that's basically saying, well, if this is the case, this other thing is also the case. That probably doesn't make sense the way I said it. So let me give you an example. Um, 
let's imagine you're talking to your friend and he says, if we don't go to the beach, then I don't want to go anywhere. That's one way of using the word then, like the, the way I just explained. But then you can respond by saying, then let's go to the beach. So in that case, when I start the sentence with then, I'm saying, well, if that's the case, this other thing is going to be the case. You know, I don't know that I can't remember the grammatical term for the word. I don't think it's conjunction, but let me know if that makes any sense. That's the difference to me between the two words and how we use them. If I had more time to think about it, I could probably explain it to you better. But there you go. Difference between could have and should have. That's a good question. So what's your name, bro? I am a stranger 60. Whatever your name is, stranger. The difference between could have and should have. Could have is what we say simply to express the fact that you had an opportunity in the past and you had an opportunity to uh, take advantage of a situation or whatever it is. So you're just... Expressing the fact that there was a possibility that something happened or could have happened. I'm trying to explain it without using the words could have. Now, should have is what we say when we want to express the fact that we believe that the right thing to do was this thing. Like, for example, it's probably better if I explain with an example. Ah, Okay, so let's just say going to the movies, for example. We're talking about going out to the movies and we... Don't go. And the next day, I say, man, we could have gone to the movies. So all I'm expressing is that there was the possibility that we went to the movies. We were capable of doing it. We had the opportunity, so we could have gone. Right? But if I say, man, we should have gone to the movies, what I'm expressing is that I think the right thing to do would have been to go to the movies. That would have been the best choice, the best way to spend our night, the best decision to make. Right? Because when you say should... If you're saying something should be, you're expressing the idea that you think that's the right thing. You think that's the way it should be. Like when you tell somebody, you should be a teacher, you're saying, I recognize your talent, and I think the right thing for you to do is to be a teacher. That's what you should do. If I say you could be a teacher, it's like, well, you have the ability, and it's possible. There's nothing stopping you. So it's the same thing with should have and could have. We're just referring to something in the past. Let me know if that makes sense. I don't know if I explained that clearly, but let me know. Hi, can you explain have got and when we need to use it, please? Larm1008, I think is your name or your screen name. So have got. I mean, off the top of my head, trying to explain like what it is. When I hear have got, it just means... I have. It's just another way of saying I have. For example, I have three kids or I have got three kids. Now, we typically don't say have got uh, in informal speech. We'd say I've got, which is a contracted version of I have got. So I'd say I have three kids or I've got three kids. And to me, it's the same thing. But I've got is just more informal, you know. But it's really, really common, at least here in the States, to to hear people say, I've got. Or, for example, like gotta, the contraction gotta, a lot of people think, you know, got to, for example, um, I've got to go to the store. But really, the complete phrase is, I have got to go to the store. But we say, I've got to go to the store. You know? So, 
We're just saying, I have to go to the store. It's just another way of saying it, you know? So I don't know if that makes sense, but to, to simplify it, it's the same thing as saying I have, it's just less formal, you know? At least the way I think about it, off the top of my head, that's the answer. How's your Spanish? <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, honestly, five yeah five six on a good day but five um people tell me that it's higher than that but i i think they're just being nice i'm pretty self-aware and i hear myself speaking spanish or trying to express myself and i would say from zero to ten is probably a five which technically is an f for fucking sucks let me get back to these comments i know there's a lot uh what is facts what is facts? Oh, okay. That's a good question. So facts is kind of like, um, I guess you could call it slang. It's just a word that we say when somebody is speaking the truth. Because, And you spelled it F-A-X, which is like an uh, electronic device. It's something completely different. But facts, F-A-C-T-S, facts. When somebody says that, it means they're saying like, what you're saying is true and I agree. Like that's real shit, like real talk facts because you're not lying if you're if you're speaking facts if what you're saying is a fact then it's not a lie it's not false so that's why people say that like i might say um messi is the greatest player of all time and you might say facts which and you're saying that's a fact that's true right that's not false so that's what facts means uh how do you be good at english Practice English. Can you stop worrying about... Can't... Oh, damn, I can't read today. How can I stop worrying about my English when I start talking to native speakers on social media? How? Hmm. I don't know if if this answer is going to be helpful to you, but this is just what I would do if I were you. This is what I've done. I think the the subject of like learning how to be more calm or confident or uh, secure, sure of yourself, whatever it is, especially when in public or especially when interacting with other people. Like, you know, a lot of people have a bunch of different techniques and recommendations, but what worked for me, man, is just making the simple choice to not care like it's a choice that you can make you know you obviously can't control the thoughts that enter your mind involuntarily right but you can choose to entertain them or not and when i say entertain i mean like give them your time attention and consideration right acknowledge them you don't have to so in a moment where you're like feeling insecure or afraid or you're hearing these negative thoughts you don't have to pay attention to that stuff i know that sounds like maybe oversimplification like it maybe doesn't even make sense what i'm trying to say is like you can choose to just not care you can choose that so how do you stop caring just fucking decide like i don't care (laughs) i wish i had like a more detailed like beautiful answer or something like that but it really is just a conscious choice that you make to care or not care about something so if you just if you know that you can speak english you can communicate you can understand when people talk to you like 
just say what you got to say. You know, I think you just have to stop worrying about what the consequences are going to be. That probably doesn't sound good. But what I mean is a lot of times people are nervous because they're anticipating a negative outcome. They're anticipating like disaster. They're imagining the worst case scenario a lot of times, and that makes them scared. So if you just choose to focus on the present moment and just communicate, or if you choose to think positive thoughts or choose to just not care at all what happens, especially when you know you have good intentions, I mean, what more can you do? That's just what works for me. I don't know what to tell you. It's hard to tell you how you should do something because I'm not you, you know, but uh, that's what I did. Works for me. Somebody wants me to do a quick pronunciation exercise. So the words C-A-P, C-U-P, and C-O-P. Before I say them, I want you to think to yourself, how do you pronounce these words? C-A-P. How would you pronounce that? Obviously, I can't hear you, but I want you to say it out loud. I don't care if you're on the bus. I don't care if you're in the kitchen. I don't care what you're doing right now. Say it out loud. C-A-P. How do you pronounce that? I would pronounce it cap. C-A-P is cap. Like, no cap, bro. Stop capping, nigga. Fuck you mean. That's cap. Right? Cap. And cap. All right? So, C-A-P is cap. Hopefully, you got that one right. Now, the next one is what? C-U-P. C-U-P. How would you pronounce that word? Again, say it out loud. One more time. C-U-P. How do you pronounce it? I would say cup. So instead of ah, like cap, we say uh, like cup, or fuck, or stuck, or truck, or bus, or butt, or what. Cup, right? So C-A-P, cap. C-U-P, cup. The last one, C-O-P. How would you pronounce that word? C-O-P. I would say cop. Cop, you know? So, C-A-P, cap. C-U-P, cup. C-O-P, cop. Like block and stop and watch and pop and rock. Shock, cop. Okay, so ah, uh, ah. Those are your three sounds. Hopefully that helps. Why do you know Spanish? Because... Some of my good friends in college were Mexican and they were always speaking Spanish. And I got tired of being the only fucking guy in the room that couldn't understand. So I asked them to teach me Spanish one day and the rest was kind of, you know, history, as they say. Do you think that it's hard to learn Spanish? Honestly, I don't. I really don't. I think Spanish is a very simple language. And if you speak English, it's definitely the first foreign language that you should learn. Um. Yeah, I think it's one of the. I don't. I'm not gonna say it's one of the easiest languages to learn because I have no idea about the difficulty of you know all the languages. But and maybe I'm just you know naturally like predisposed to learn languages. Maybe it would be extremely hard for other English speakers. I don't know. But in my experience, Spanish was not easy to learn but it's a simple language you know so if you just practice and study then it's not difficult because it follows very clear and consistent patterns 
in terms of pronunciation, verb conjugation, um, grammar and things like that. The grammar was a challenge at first, for sure. You just have to get used to it. And my grammar still is not that good today, but I can make myself understood. And people tell me that my grammar is okay. So, um, so if we're talking about like standard textbook, correct Spanish, then maybe it's difficult. I don't know because I don't know that type of Spanish. But the spoken language in general, to me, is not difficult. The difficulty of Spanish is understanding Spanish speakers because you talk so fucking fast. You know what I mean? Especially from certain countries. You just talk so fast. And not only that, but like different countries have different words for the same objects or feelings or situations. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think it was maybe, it feels like a month ago, I learned the word vaina, which I guess is heavily used in the Dominican Republic, which can be anything. The word vaina can be anything. Stuff like that. I had, I've been speaking Spanish five years. I had never heard that word before because I'd never really talked to anybody from the Dominican, you know. But anyway, I said all that to say I don't think it's too difficult. I just think the challenge is understanding all Spanish speakers from all over the world because Spanish is Spanish, but at the same time, it definitely changes from region to region, right? Just like any other language, I imagine, so... Turn this live in Spanish. Nope, can't do it. Life in English. Have you done the IELTS test? No, I have not. Isn't the IELTS for people trying to prove that they can speak English? I think, I don't think English teachers take the IELTS. To be honest, I don't know. But I don't think they do. But no, I've never taken that test. Never taken any exam to test my English level. Other than in public school, obviously. And that was one class that, I, like, I fucking hated school in general, but that was one class that I just naturally did good in. Like, I remember in multiple years during my schooling, my teachers, my literature teachers telling me, like, that I was doing really good in the class. Like, I was a good writer. And I could, like, formulate and express my ideas really well, you know? That was something that came natural. But everything else certainly did not. Like, I'm terrible at math. You know, I think I don't even I'm not even sure I could do like eighth grade level math right now. Like I find myself constantly trying to do simple multiplication equations, division and stuff like that, just with money and other things and time and stuff. And can't do it. You know. You didn't ask me about that. So let me get back to these questions. What's the best way to learn English? That. The answer to that question is subjective because everybody's different, right? Some people prefer to learn things by doing things like me. I like to uh, learn by experience. I like to put my hands on it, take it apart, put it together and play with it to see how it works. Figuratively and literally, right? But some people like need to watch a video of it being done and then immediately they can just go do it. Other people, if you just talk to them, they just hear and they can learn that way. Other people need to read their instructions or their lesson or whatever it is. So everybody's different. Some people prefer to listen to podcasts. Other people prefer TV series. Some people prefer uh, music or the news or talking to real people, you know. So what's the best way? I don't, I don't know if there is one best way. I would say the most effective thing you can be doing, though, is talking to real people. You know, everybody does all that other stuff. Podcasts, movies, books, series, music, etc. 
But the most effective way to improve your listening and speaking skills is listening and talking to a human being. So if I had to choose, I would say that's the best way. Will ever I be fluent in English like you? What is my hope there? Will you ever be fluent in English like me? I don't know what you mean by that. So I can't really answer that part of your question. But I, I mean, I understand that you're asking, will you ever get to a high level of English? Like native level? I mean, it's my first language, bro. So I don't know if you're saying, will you ever speak it as if you were born speaking it? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely possible. People do it all the time. I've never done it. So, and I, to be honest, I don't know if that should be your focus. I don't, I don't think your goal when learning to speak a foreign language should be speaking it as if you have been speaking it since you were born. I don't think the goal should be to speak it exactly like you speak your first language. I mean, that's such a difficult thing to achieve. You know what I mean? So it's like if you're always reaching, I mean, it's, I guess if you want to shoot for the stars or whatever, then yeah, that's cool. But a lot of times you might just be setting yourself up or in other words, preparing yourself for disappointment, you know, because you're never or it's going to take so long to reach that goal. Generally speaking, for most people that you might start to feel demotivated, like, man, it's never going to be perfect. And then you start to lose hope. So I think a much more realistic, attainable goal is to be conversational. To be able to sit down with almost anybody and have a conversation or go to almost any English speaking country and be able to survive and communicate. That should be the goal, because once you get to that place, you can talk to anybody. And then everything that comes after that is just like a bonus. It's extra. You never stop learning new words, expressions or getting exposed to different accents, not just the language itself, but the culture that's influencing that language. You learn about that stuff, too, you know. So I think you should focus much more on that, man, not being perfect or speaking just like me, but being conversational. Because if you're conversational, that means that you have mastered the fundamentals, which is always the most important part of anything that you're doing. So master the fundamentals and then just kind of build on top of that, understanding that it's going to take time. But the more effort you put in, the better the results you get out. So it's really up to you. So is there any hope? I don't know. You tell me. You know, another question I had, bro, when I was thinking, like, before I started recording is... um. When I was thinking about Christmas is around the corner, as well as my my birthdays next month and stuff like that. And I was thinking about why do people celebrate? Why do people exchange gifts on Christmas and stuff? And after hearing myself speak, just in case you don't understand, when I say Christmas is around the corner, that's an expression that means like it's very close. It's going to happen very soon. So I was thinking about all that and birthdays and stuff. And it made me ask myself, like, why do people fear getting older? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, why do people, why are they so afraid of getting older? And you see it all around the world. And I think with men and women, you know, people who are like afraid of getting wrinkles in their face or their body not functioning like it once did. um, All that type of stuff, getting sick, dying and things like that. Not looking as physically attractive as you did when you were 21 or 30 or whatever. Why do you think people are so afraid of getting old. And do you think it's just the physical aspect of getting old that people are uncomfortable with? Because when you think about the emotional 
or the, let's say, intellectual, for lack of a better word, the spiritual aspects of getting older, like it's a net positive, in my opinion. Hopefully, as you get older, you get wiser, like you have more life experiences and you're learning from those experiences and you're applying that newfound knowledge to, you know, your future or the next experiences, however you say it. And you're learning and you're getting better. You're constantly becoming a better, smarter, more evolved and optimized version of yourself as you get older. Because when you're young, bro, you're fucking 14, 18, 21, even some, I mean, even 25 or 30 in some cases, like you're, you don't know shit, bro. You're dumb as hell. Don't really have the experience that you need to be the person that you should be. So, and maybe that doesn't make sense. But what I'm saying is like, typically, generally speaking, the younger the people are, like, the less experienced they are, which means the less wise they are, which means the less than optimal choices they make, you know what I'm saying? So I think getting older, like, you get wiser, you get smarter, and you learn how to live better in a way that's better for you. You learn how to be yourself or more of yourself, you know what I mean? Getting older is the shit. Obviously, it comes with responsibility, but, you know, that's just life. So being, like, young and dumb is fun, I guess, but I think being old and smart is pretty fucking cool, too. What do you guys think? It's fun, like, when we're kids. We want to be grown, and when we get old, people want to go back. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's like the classic experience for a lot of people. When we're young, we want to be grown and have independence and just do what we want and, you know, all that type of stuff because we don't really know. Most of the time, nobody explains to us that what we imagine as life as an adult is just a small piece of the entire pie, you know, comes with a lot more responsibility and um, freedom, which also comes with responsibility like we imagine the freedom that adults have but we don't understand that you cannot separate freedom from responsibility you know so i think that's why as kids we want so badly to be adults and then as adults like i don't necessarily want to be a kid anymore it's not like i want to go back to my childhood um yeah to, to be honest i don't think i would if i had the chance i could just go back to being a kid i don't even think I would. I would prefer to, like, learn how to take the best aspects of what it meant to be a kid and integrate them into my adult life. I would prefer to do that, you know. But you're right. A lot of people do feel that way. I don't know. I just don't understand why people fear getting older. I don't know if it's the fear of losing your physical attractiveness. I don't know if it's the fear of death itself. Um, if it's the fear of sickness or what exactly. I don't know. Which makes me think of a really, really interesting idea that a friend of mine told me a couple years ago um, when we were talking about life after death and reincarnation and things like that. And what she believes is that reincarnation is real, but it's not based on how good or how bad of a person you are during your life. That's not what determines what you will be in the next life. For example, if you're just a saint, an amazing person in the next life, you'll have higher social status, more fortune, more money, or whatever it is. Your life isn't going to be better for that reason. Or if you're just a piece of shit and you're an asshole, you're not going to be born as somebody's like anus (laughs) or something like that. You're not going to be poor and broke and miserable in your next life. 
She doesn't believe that's how it works. She believes that reincarnation is based on how many and how well, how many lessons and how well you learn them during your life. So how many life lessons you can manage to learn during your life. Because during your entire lifetime, life is throwing these situations at you uh, and you have a chance to learn something from every experience, right? So she believes based on how you learn your life lessons or if you learn them, that will determine the quality of your next life. So if you go through life learning the lessons that you're supposed to learn, you're paying attention, you're trying to evolve and grow, your next life will not be better. It will be easier to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish because you learned the lessons that you need to learn in your past life, which set you up for the next one. Now, if you go through life just refusing to learn, the lessons that life or God or the universe or whatever, however you see it, whatever you want to call it, let's just call it life. If you refuse to learn those lessons, like your next life is going to be even harder because you refuse to learn the things that you needed to learn before you went on to your next life. And then it just creates this positive or negative feedback loop. And that's how she thinks reincarnation works. And ever since she shared that idea with me, like I've never stopped thinking about it. And I think I became like more attentive to that idea and like trying to put more attention on whether or not I'm learning the lessons I'm supposed to be learning from the experiences that I'm having, you know? It's an interesting idea. What do you guys think? Do you guys believe in reincarnation? Life after death? What do you guys think? Bro, 26 years old, you're already worried about being an adult? What do you, what do you, I don't understand the question actually. It's a good question, but, or it's a curious question, but I don't really understand what you mean. Like 26 is too young to be thinking about my adult life. I completely disagree. I completely disagree. And maybe I, I'm, I guess I understand what you're trying to say, which is like, man, enjoy your life. You're young. You don't have to worry about this, that, and the third. And I never said that I was worried about being an adult, first of all. So I don't know when you heard that because I never said that. But second of all, I guess what you're trying to say is like, enjoy your life while you're young. 26 is young. I totally agree. But that doesn't mean that you can't be thinking about your adult life. Like where you want your life to go. If you don't think about it, then what the fuck are you going to do? You just going to let life happen to you? I don't know. I just, I see things differently. Obviously, we might have a difference of opinion, but I just see it differently. I think we don't get taught to think about our adult lives early enough, or we get taught to think about the wrong aspects of our adult life, or we get taught to think about it in the wrong way, as if it's just responsibility, responsibility, bills, go to school, get a job, have a family, raise that family, get sick and die. Like, and that's why I think people are so afraid of it, you know? Either because it's all unknown and they don't know what to do or all they see is misery and bills and taxes and a job that they hate because they can't make a living doing what they want because everybody told them it was impossible. That type of shit. You know what I'm saying? But you don't have to think about it that way. I think if it depends on how you teach the kid as well. Like as a child, you can teach them about tax laws and philosophy and human psychology. You just have to break it down into into little pieces that they can consume and still get the idea, you know? So you can teach kids to think about their life as an adult, what they want to do with their lives without making it too serious or too heavy or too dramatic and give them the tools and the mindset and way of thinking that they need 
so that when they finally decide or find out what they want to do with their adult life, they have the mental capacity and resources to get it done. As opposed to just being young and dumb and having fun until you're 35 and then saying, okay, let me get serious about life. I'm sure that works for somebody, but it doesn't work for me, you know, so I guess it's just two different ways of seeing it. And again, I didn't understand your question and I responded anyway. So forgive me if I took it out of context or misunderstood it, but that's what I think. Could you explain different ways to say I like you? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Different ways to say I like you. I never thought about that. I mean, I guess, like, if I were to say it, depending on where I was, obviously, but like where I grew, where I went to high school, for example, where I live right now, we would probably say, I fuck with you. Now, when I say we, I'm talking about like people that I hang out with or people like me. It's kind of like, when I say I fuck with you, that's kind of like Ebonics or what some people know is like Black English or A-A-V-E. There's different names for it, but that's not like a standard English expression. That's just how, like how we talk where I'm from or like how a lot of black people talk. So if I say I fuck with you, it means not only do I like you, but like you have my respect. I think you're cool. Um, you know, like we could be friends or we are friends, that type of thing. If I don't fuck with you, it means I don't like you. I don't respect you. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to hang out with you or nothing like that. So if I do fuck with you, obviously, that's the opposite, the positive version of that. So I wouldn't say don't use that like at work with somebody you don't know. Do not write that in an email. It's extremely informal. Some people might not even understand it because to fuck with you also has a different meaning in a different context. And that's a universal phrase. So I'm probably confusing you at this point. But that's one way to say I like you. I respect you. I think you're cool. I fuck with you. But it's extremely informal and most people consider it slang but it's really just a different dialect of english so something standard another way to say i like you um i think you're cool i really don't know another way to say i like you i would just say i like you or you're cool or something like that i guess you're cool is a a decent way to say i like you or um i guess you could say it without saying it like uh I enjoy your company. I like being around you. I enjoy your presence. Um, I enjoy spending time with you. Mm, You're fun to be around or something like that. I mean, I really don't know another way to say I like you, but maybe some of those might be helpful to you. All right. Hello. Sandoval says, I guess that's better understand the English because if you translate just the phrase or something. Did she write more? Uh, Hang on. Maybe she wrote more. Ah, a lot of time you're missing the context if you only translate. That's exactly right. And that's, you basically expressed it a hundred times better than I ever could. That's what I was trying to say. I just couldn't find the words. So thank you for that. Because that's really what I was trying to express is that when you're always translating, you're ignoring the fact that context determines the meaning of the phrase right and culture and a lot of times context and culture go hand in hand but without those things it's just words and it can be interpreted in many different ways depending on the context or culture so that's exactly right that's why it's better to just understand it 
And it's better just to learn how to learn. A lot of times we, like you can't think about language like math or science where one plus one is two. Sometimes one plus one is 17 and it makes perfect sense. When speaking about language, right? Makes perfect sense. Again, I could say, I don't fuck with you. Like literally in the one plus one equals two way of thinking, it doesn't even make sense. I don't fuck with you. It's like that means I don't have sex with you. Or we don't have sex together with somebody else. It doesn't make literal sense. I don't fuck with you. Because to fuck, the verb, has many meanings. But like to have sex. So if I don't fuck with you, it means that we don't fuck together. It doesn't make sense. But in the 1 plus 1 is 17 way of thinking, right? Which is the way you should be thinking about language. It makes perfect sense to me. But to somebody else, it doesn't. And that's the point. Is 1 plus 1 is not always 2 When you're thinking about language, which is why just translating all the time is slowing you down. You're not going to become fluent doing that for the rest of your life. You know. Can you explain when to use problem and issue? Problem and issue are the same exact thing. Issue is just a more formal way of saying problem. So I guess you can use the word issue at work and emails and stuff like that. But or if you, you know, I guess the, the word problem sounds worse it has a little bit more of a negative connotation than issue because the issue is something that can be resolved there's a solution a problem it's like fuck we got a problem just in terms of the way the words feel to me i don't know if that makes sense but they're the same thing problem issue informal formal that's it so let me take one last look at these questions and comments before i get up out of chill como se puede referirse a alguien como amigo hay muchos aquí en el chat be various distintas. Um, how can you ref- different ways you can refer to somebody as friend? I think it depends on where you're from, what your culture is, and if you're referring to a man or a woman. So, I'm gonna. Try to think of some good examples. So I could say, if we're talking about a guy, it's my age. I could say that's my friend, and that's universal. I could say that's my partner, which is like, here in the South, we say partner, but it's the word partner, which is, if I pronounce it that way, you probably understand. P-A-R-T-N-E-R, <laughs> partner. But in the South, a lot of people say partner. It's just a different way of pronouncing the word. So if I could say, that's my partner right there, that's my friend. Or I could say, homie. H-O-M-I-E. That's my homie right there. Now, partner and homie are considered very informal words, you know? But if you think about the meaning of the word, it just means friend. That's my friend. That's my partner. That's my homie. That's my boy, you know? So, again, if you're referring to a guy, that's my boy right there. That's my friend. You know, we close. That's my boy. That's my partner. That's my homie. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Now this, I'm going to tell you this, but I do not recommend you say this. I just want you to know what it means. If I say that's my nigga, that also can mean that's my friend. That's my boy. That's my homie. I fuck with him. Going back to that same phrase. I fuck with him. That's my nigga. That's my homie. You know? That's really what it means. So again, I do not recommend you say that. Please. I mean, you say whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what to say. I don't believe in that type of thing. I'm just saying... The word nigga for a lot of people is very, very, very offensive 
to black people i mean it's very offensive um if it's being said to them by somebody that's not black now this is a very complex and deep subject so i won't get into it now i want to stay on topic but just so you know if i say that's my nigga i mean that's my friend and typically i'm talking about a guy not a girl like i can say that girl's my nigga sometimes we say that but most of the time it's a guy now words for i'm trying to think of words that we use for girls in this case i would just say friend i don't know what other girls refer to their girlfriends as they probably say my friend that's my girl just like we say that's my boy they would say that's my girl um or my home girl, I guess. Some girls might say that. I don't really hear it too often, though. Um, but a lot, a lot of girls in my experience, especially like my, my age range, like 18 to 35, they might say, that's my girl. That's my friend. I can't really think of a bunch of other words that we use for that. Now, something much more formal is like colleague, which is technically not a friend. But, you know, a colleague is somebody that you interact with on a regular basis. It could be at work. Or something like that. Most of the time it's at work. A colleague is somebody that you work with. That's not necessarily your friend. Now you could also say associate. Which again is not a friend. It's kind of like something less than a friend. But I'm just trying to give you more formal words. That aren't necessarily friend. Because a friend is somebody that's close. That you trust. You have a good time with. You have fun with them. You just want to spend time with them. Now an associate is somebody with whom you associate. You're not necessarily friends. But you have to do business with this person or interact with this person for whatever reason. So it's an associate. Those are some words that either mean friend or are related to the word friend. Hopefully that was helpful. Okay, HK368 says he or she, I'm not sure, uh, doesn't understand the body count question. So just in case you don't understand or even know what I'm talking about, the body count question Obviously, it's a question about your body count. So a body count, depending on the context, but in most cases, especially on social media, like what most people mean when they say body count is how many people you've had sex with. That's it. How many bodies you have had sexual relations with or sexual interactions with, right? So somebody says, what's your body count? They're asking you, how many people have you had sex with? That's it. Now, in a different context, body count means how many people you've killed. So context is everything. What is the most important to talk well English? To talk. Say it every time. Like maybe you've never heard me say it before. But if you've been following me for at least a month, you've heard me say it before. For sure. Is the best way to speak English well or to learn to speak English well is to speak English, bro. That's it. That's it. So you need to find a teacher or a language exchange partner or a friend or whatever you need to do, a human being that can tell you when you're saying something that sounds weird or that's grammatically incorrect or teach you about the language, the culture, the expressions, um, help you with your pronunciation, all that type of stuff. But you can't do that if you're not talking to a real person. So find a real person and talk to them. Everything else is helpful but it's secondary in comparison to the talking part. Like, if I asked you, how do you learn to play soccer, what would you say? If I asked you, how do you learn to play saxophone, what would you say? Practice, right? Take classes or a course, watch videos, and you fucking practice until you're good. And you get better by being around people that are better than you. 
You become a better soccer player by playing with players that play better than you. Not people on the same level or people that don't play as good as you. How could you possibly get better? It's people that are better than you that push you, that force you to become a better version of yourself or to to do that skill or to improve that skill. Let's say that's a better way of saying it, right? So it's the same with everything else. If you want to be a great musician, you have to be around musicians greater than you. Naturally, you're going to get inspired and notice their techniques and, you know, take those things and make them your own. It's the same thing with language. So if we're talking about language, English in this case, if you want to be a better English speaker, speak English to people that speak English better than you. Most of the time, not always, but most of the time that's a native. But I should also say you don't need a native to become fluent in English. Somebody who speaks English very well can also teach you even if it's their second, third or 14th language. It doesn't really matter. So I think you should leave that idea to the side, too, if you have that in your head. Anybody who speaks English better than you can help you improve your English. So by being around and interacting with people who have a higher skill level than you, in this case, English, you're going to improve your English. All right, cool. All right, y'all, I'm about to get out of here, man. Um, My plan was to be here for an hour, and it's been two. So hopefully y'all enjoyed the live. Maybe you learned some few some few things. Maybe you learned a few things or got some things to think about, you know. But thank you for being here. Thank you for your time and attention because you could have given it to anybody, but you gave it to me. So I appreciate it. Hopefully you got the value from the live. I'm going to try to do it again. I'm going to say next Friday. I'm going to try to do it again around the same time, another live stream. I can't say for sure yet, but I'm going to try. All right. But one thing is for sure. I'll be back. All right. So what's today? Thursday, right? Yeah, it's Thursday. So y'all have a great rest of your day or your night, Friday as well. You know what I'm saying? And hopefully you enjoy the weekend. More videos coming soon, more lessons, more podcasts, man. I'm going to holla at y'all real soon. Y'all stay safe. Take care of yourselves. And uh, see you when I see you. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.